You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Once she grabs, she won't let go. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that soft stuff. Rock, rock. None of the heavy metal stuff. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Just a little bit of jazz. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. All right. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Wednesday. Wednesday. It's a Thursday. Thursday. It's Friday Eve, after all. And I'm sitting here trying to decide, do I start with a song? Do I start with the news? There's so much news. First of all, weather alert. It's pouring in South Florida again. Let me show you this. Here's our news. Um, I'm just going to put up on the screen for those of you watching. Let me take take this down. Um, Here is what's showing up on the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel website. There's a a, a sort of a slideshow of photos as Fort Lauderdale's unprecedented 26 inches of rain, most of which fell in just six hours. The airport, the Fort Lauderdale airport, is closed. Um, frankly, I'm just surprised this hadn't happened sooner because <laughs> it's east. Now, I'm I'm about as far west as you can go in Broward County before you hit the Everglades. And in the radar, I didn't pull up a radar map, but basically the heaviest rain was like downtown Fort Lauderdale right by the beach. And it, it, moderated a little bit as it moved uh west so it's pouring here it it has rained seriously for like five days straight and here's the thing in south florida in in florida it usually when weather was normal we you know it it would be every afternoon for about a half hour the skies would open up it would pour it would you know take the humidity down a half a notch and and make it a little less horrible. Um, Caroline is saying, just tell us that Mar-a-Lago is underwater, please. No, it's Broward County, Fort Lauderdale, that we're we're the ones who got hit. Palm Beach got rain, 
I'm sure Miami got Miami's probably underwater. Um, but it's mostly it's it's Broward County. There were tornado warnings last night. We don't get tornadoes in Florida. We get hurricanes. But all all the uh, all bets are off. It is pouring. So I woke up this morning. I get up really early. Thank you, Jackson. It's like five thirty. Let him out back, and I noticed that the 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 moon. I could see the moon for the first time in like a week. It wasn't dark and cloudy skies. And I thought, oh, finally, we're at the tail end of this. It's pouring, thundering, storming out there again. And uh, the airport, which I think closed last night because of all the rain, was supposed to open again today. And then they said, nope, um, uh, airport is closed until tomorrow morning at 5-ish a.m., and who knows, because did, you saw the pictures, right? Oh, I just had one of them. Great. No, I didn't uh, Didn't pull it. But yeah, uh, I, I can only imagine I-595, which runs right by the airport, is underwater. They, they, look, I'll bring it back up again here. There are, I mean, you can see the runway that is just filled with water. Yeah, you saw it already. I don't need to show it again. But look, here is the um, here's the radar map. I'll show you what I was talking about before. So you see where all the red is centered. That's Fort Lauderdale. That's right at the coast. And then as you f- get further west, it goes from the dark purple, which got 20 to 30 inches. <laughs> it's record breaking um, in one day. And then it goes down and down and down, and I'm for, I'm somewhere in the in the light light orange, kinda. But make no mistake, it's ugly. And I think what's going on? Whoops, sorry, didn't mean to do that. Um, uh, that that that. Ah, what did I do? I got the wrong wrong window up here. Hold on, sorry. You were seeing my Twitter feed. Um, what I'm thinking is the sky is crying. Because Florida deserves to be drowned. <clears throat> because what happened less than an hour ago? <clears throat> Excuse me. The Florida House passed the six-week abortion ban. Yep. Florida's Republican-controlled legislature today voted to ban most abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, a key policy win for more on death sentence ahead of the 2024 elections. It already passed the Senate. It just goes to the idiot's desk, and he will sign it. I, I again, I've asked this many times in the in the recent weeks and days and months. <laughs> is what year is it, and what country is this? Um, so big news just breaking again within an hour or two ago. Um, and uh, well, I'll let ABC News tell you what happened here. Good afternoon. I'm Whit Johnson in New York, and we're coming on the air with breaking news concerning the leak of highly classified Pentagon documents about America's allies, including China, Russia, and the war in Ukraine. We're about to hear from Attorney General Merrick Garland. Just a short time ago, federal agents taking a suspect into custody. You can see the aerial video right there. A member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard, FBI agents swarming a home in Massachusetts. A man you can see in a green shirt and red basketball shorts leaving the house, his hands on his head, his hands in the air at times. He was taken into custody. A law enforcement official telling ABC News the suspect's name is Jack Tejera. Jack Tejera. All this information Mm. follows that bombshell report from the Washington Post, which also identified him as the leader of an invite-only online chat group. Attorney General Merrick Garland addressing the media right now at the Department of Justice. Let's listen. 
Oh, Merrick Garland says an awful lot of nothing. I'm joined today by Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco and FBI Director Paul Bate. Okay. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. Teixeira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Teixeira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. I want to thank the FBI, Justice Department prosecutors, and our colleagues at the Department of Defense for their diligent work on this case. This investigation is ongoing. We will share more information at the appropriate time. See, I told Thanks, you. He said nothing. He really, he really said nothing. And um, uh, that that's enough of that. Um, and you don't need to see the commercial. So, you know, there's other news and it's it's all not good. So I thought before we bring our guest on, before we move on to other more serious topics, you know, Donald Trump is back in New York today at yet another deposition in front of um, Attorney General Letitia James. You know, the woman he called a racist. Not really a good idea when you're the target of investigations to be, you know, casting aspersions on the attorney general. Um, But, um, yeah. So, um, anyway, I thought I would share just in honor of Donald Trump. You know, last time he was called to give a deposition in this case, and I don't even know what this one's about. They all run together at this point. Um, uh, last time, he took the fifth hundreds of times. The word is that today he's not going to take the fifth. But, you know, we'll see. If he doesn't take the fifth, you know what he'll do. He'll just lie like 500 times. Okay. Um, how many times did Mr. Trump ask you to threaten an individual or entity on his behalf? Quite a few times. 50 times? More. 100 times? More. 200 times? More. 500 times? Probably. When I fuck up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who fucks up next to you. When you commit crimes, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If you get caught, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets caught next to you. If I have to, well, I'm gonna spill the tea and I'm gonna be the man who cleans it up for you. But I made threats 500 times and I would make 500 more just to be the man who Donald Trump would call to beat down your front door. When I worked for this Mr. Trump about 10 years, I witnessed racism and cheating for his wins.
Lori Laner, everybody. She's just, she's awesome. Um, she's going to join us one day next week because, oh my God, she's so good. That's an oldie but a goodie, and I thought it worked as Donald Trump is countersuing Michael Cohen. And he's back in a courtroom in New York today, so, you know. Let's go for it. Um, there is other news before our guest gets here today. Um, this actually, I, I, I was sort of happy to see this this morning because, you know, if you've, you've listened to me for a while, some years ago after one of our mass shootings, I was saying the only way to make this stop, the only way to get our elected officials to do anything about this is... If, you know, to hit them in the pocketbook, the only thing that gets Republicans motivated is money. All you've got to do is follow the cash where they're concerned. And if we hit tourism, look, Florida's already going to be hit on tourism because DeSantis is fucking with Disney. And Disney's the one who brings the tourists here. Without Disney, who would come here? I guess, you know, unless you want to go to the beaches, but the beaches certainly in Broward County, are going to be fucked right now because of all this rain. Oh, and by the way, this weekend, the Tortuga Music Festival. <laughs> it's on Fort Lauderdale Beach. I actually know the organizer of that thing. And the paper just said, it's on. It will, gates will open at noon tomorrow. <laughs> Good luck with that. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, I digress. Um, the group Equality Florida... The name basically says who they are. They're a big LGBTQ uh, organization. And yesterday, or Tuesday actually, they issued a travel advisory. You remember years ago, what I started to say before I got distracted, um, is that I said that other countries should issue travel advisories and warn their people not to come to the United States because it simply isn't safe. You could easily get shot and killed walking down any street USA. Doesn't matter. You can be in the grocery store. You can be in a movie theater. You can be in an elementary school. Nothing's off limits to these crazy people with guns. And here in Florida, the same legislature that today just passed uh, a six-week abortion ban. No abortions after six weeks when most women don't even know they're pregnant yet. Um, they also, just a couple of weeks ago in the same legislative session, passed uh, permitless concealed carry so that anybody over the prescribed age, and I'm not sure it, it was raised to 21 after the Parkland shootings, but this brilliant Republican led legislature and this shit for brains governor want to bring it back down to 18. It's just inconceivable. Um, anybody who passes the background check and is of the proper age doesn't need any training doesn't need any licensing or any permit. Anyone can just carry a gun with them wherever they go. In your back pocket, in your backpack, in your purse, in your boot. I could just see Ronald death sentence or Rhonda Santis in his white go-go boots with his, you know, Glock down the white uh, boot. Ugh. Yes, I can't wait to get out of here. Anyway, the group... Equality Florida on Tuesday issued a travel advisory warning of the risks posed to the health, safety and freedom of those considering short or long term travel or relocation to this state. The move comes in response to a wave of safety inquiries that Equality Florida has received 
following the passage of laws that are hostile to the LGBT community. They restrict access to reproductive health care. They repeal gun safety laws. They foment racial uh, prejudice and attack public education by banning books and censoring curriculum. Equality Florida is telling um, the LGBT community, stay out of that state. It is not safe. Now, I know Australia finally uh, did issue a travel advisory to that end, uh, not just for Florida, but for the entire country. Don't go to the United States. It simply is not safe. So there's that. Um, but there's other news, too. So I told you about the uh, uh, the Florida legislature. I told you about the guy who leaked the you know what? He was a he was a gamer. He was a 21. He is. He's not dead. This is white. You know how that works. Uh, and so he's a 21 year old guy. He was like a, a inf- infantry man or something in the army um, or, or he was in the reserve or, or some, whatever military. You know, so um, it's just it's just it's just not good. Uh, And so, yeah, so here's where we are. Um, That happened. What else? Uh, Oh, Dianne Feinstein sort of got the message. So, you know, Dianne Feinstein has been out for months. She's been out of the Senate since February. And there and that's an issue because there's only, you know, a one vote majority in the in the Senate. Um, And so they're not getting anything done. But even making it worse is she sits on the Judiciary Committee. The Judiciary Committee has to move out of the committee all of Biden's judicial nominees. And they can't because the the Senate is so evenly split. Um, they they don't have much of a margin in the committee, so they need every vote. Without Dianne Feinstein's votes, they can't pass anything out of committee, meaning they're, since February they haven't been able to get um, any any judges confirmed. So finally, after some um, Democrats called for her to resign, most notably Ro Khanna, um, a story breaks today that she has asked She's asked Chuck Schumer to temporarily remove her, replace her on the Senate Judiciary Committee. But she wants to make it clear, quote, I intend to return as soon as possible once my medical team advises that it's safe for me to travel. In the meantime, I remain committed to the job and will continue to work from home in San Francisco. Well, you know what I say to that, don't you? Bullshit. Now, look, (laughs) It's time for Diane to go home. Everything I hear, every report says she doesn't even know where she is most of the time. Diane, you're out. You were hospitalized because you have shingles. It's really painful. You're 89 years old. Just take the hint from the universe and go home. Really. You know, they need to get work done, and apparently they're not able to do it with you there. And you're not there, so they're not able to do it with you not there. So come on. All right, that's my uh, my 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 plea for the day. Um, I, I see our guest is here, and we'll get to her in a moment. But I, I I'm I'm staring at my smoothie, and so I want to tell you what it is because I'm going to be drinking it while we're talking. So I have my trusty Blendjet too. It is the coolest little machine. It's made by Blendjet, and they have a special going on right now at Blendjet.com. Use the promo code FeedMe12. You get a 12% discount and free two-day shipping. 
and it supports the show and you get your own little portable Blendjet blender. It's it's fairly quiet. Right? I'm just getting getting it one last, you know, smush so that all the ice is all throughout spread throughout so I can drink it. Um this is the Geo design. They have Disney designs. And so you can say fuck you to Ron DeSantis while you're enjoying your smoothie cuz you know who doesn't want to do that. So, uh blendjet.com Use the promo code FEEDME12. Get free two-day shipping and better than that, 12% off your entire order. And thank you very much. Okay, so uh, now that I've been talking, I didn't get my shot set up, so I need to do that while we're talking because, you know, I'm so good at multitasking. And we've already, we determined yesterday that I'm, I'm firing my producer because she really sucks. She gets nothing done while I'm doing all this work. And it's a joke because I'm my producer. So, you know, it's okay. I can, I can badmouth me. Um, so while I get, while I get Aaron's, um, uh, shot set up, cause, uh, you know, I, I'm a perfectionist, <laughs> um, not really, uh, here we go. We can bring her in. So, um, Aaron Riley is our guest today. No, Howie Klein's not here. He'll be back. He's taking the week off. Um, and so I, I thought, who could I bring in to fill Howie Klein's slot? And uh, somebody who knows almost as much about music is Aaron Riley. And wh- I joke, I say that we have sort of lived parallel lives, at least for, for a number of years we did, where we worked in the same industry. I certainly knew of Aaron. Um, I, I don't know if she knew of me, but but our career paths ran parallel for a little while. We have a lot of the same friends. But here's the thing about radio. Radio people didn't necessarily know radio people. We knew the record people who met, who met with all the radio station people. But um, so I never had the opportunity to meet Aaron Riley until, what, like two or three weeks ago. And it feels like we've uh, known each other forever. Can you not hear me? Well, that's... Uh, Oh, you can. I can hear you. Okay. There's a little delay on both my video and the audio. Mm. So, um, it, um, but anyway, yes, certainly we led parallel lives, and uh, we're like sisters from another mother. We right? are, and and in fact, one we both have a very dear friend. In fact, here's a picture you have up on your website. I'll I'll, I'll put Pam up in the middle, and it's not just Pam Edwards, but um, you and Pam Edwards and Gene Simmons <laughs> tongue. So, um, so Pam is the one who, who introduced us and said, you know, you guys need to know each other. And, and she was correct. Um, but I realized something as I'm looking through your pictures today, so I could put some pictures from the old days up on there. We were at the same event 35 (laughs) years ago. It's so embarrassing to say that, but here's you and, um, um, and Yoko Ono. And you see the poster behind her. That's when the movie Imagine John Lennon came out. It premiered. It was in Los Angeles. The station I worked at the time was KNXFM. And we were the ones who did the promotion to get uh, John Lennon a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And it was done in conjunction with at the, around the same time as this film came out. So there's your picture with Yoko. And then the same day, same place, there's me with Yoko. We were there Aww. together. We just didn't know each other. So tell me, I think I think those pictures were taken on the balcony of the Capitol building in Los in Hollywood. They very so, well could have been. I, I don't yeah. re- I don't remember where it was. I have other pictures and I have them in color, too, with, you know, some of the other people from my station with Yoko. That's the, I'm packing. We're moving. So that's the only one I could find on short notice. But I saw your picture. It's like, 
Okay, I have the same picture from the same day. That's kind of weird, mm-hmm. but but not really, because this is but you know, not really, not really. Um, so yeah. so the the thing that brought us together is a different project we're working on that we'll talk about another time. But when we got to know each other, we talked, and and I learned that Aaron has just written a book, and unlike other people who have your kind of history. I mean, uh, sorry, I'm going to just going to show more pictures before we get into this. Cause like this one, somebody who hung out with Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, <laughs> like, and he's loving on you. And, and over the years, there you are with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Right. And, and, um, uh, who else do we have here? Oh, Roger Daltrey. This is a smaller one. Um, so, you know, if you go to AaronRiley.com, you'll see all kinds of, you know, these rock star pictures. But you you kind of walked away from this business at at the height of it, didn't you? Uh, well, I thought it was like sort of the beginning of uh, a big change in the industry, and I could feel it coming. We had consultants coming into the radio station, and we had a research department uh, doing call out research, and it just was so different than the radio I had grown up in, where you used your instincts or you know your love and passion for bands and whatnot. Uh, so I, I just moved into other areas. I still worked in music my mm-hmm. entire career. I moved from rock radio to, uh, I worked at a wonderful station in Philadelphia called WXPN. Still a and, great uh, radio station. A, still one of the few great radio stations out yeah, there. Yeah, agreed. And that, uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't exclusively a DJ there. Uh, I actually worked, uh, producing concerts for them and doing marketing marketing projects, national marketing projects for the World Cafe, uh, their syndicated program, interview program. Uh, And I just, you know, sort of like built up my skill set so I could do different things. I had done a lot of uh, event planning at WMMR. We did a lot of fun, crazy things. We used to have this parade called the Louie Louie Parade, (laughs) where every band and every performer in the parade, marching through the parade with a float or not, uh, had to play Louie Louie. So we had, you know, flatbed trucks with Louie Louie bands playing kazoos <laughs> or acapella, uh-huh. anything crazy. Mm-hmm. But it would be my job to get all of the permits, to close the streets, you know, those kind of logistical jobs and things like that as music director and working in conjunction with the production and, and the promotion department uh, to get those fun things done. And and I really enjoyed that. I liked organizing and I liked directing and I liked producing uh, so I sort of parlayed my, you know, I started as a DJ, then into programming mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and whatnot. And then, uh, and then I used that to kind of parlay that into event planning. So I did Which a is, lot of stuff like that. Right. And, and I actually did that earlier. I did that with Mark and Brian producing a, a number one morning show in LA. I put all those events together and we did the day before Thanksgiving day parade instead of a Louie Louie parade. It was the same kind of thing. Goofy, right. fun morning show. It was, you know, the days when we just had silly fun and it was rock yes. and roll and it was fun. Um, and and it, yes, everything did change. And it was around 96 with Bill Clinton <laughs> signing the Telecommunications Act. And that's when everything changed. That was it. That that was it. That was my catalyst. I said, okay, radio is, uh, I could feel it coming with the consultants coming in and, mm-hmm. and feeling as though my hands were being tied as a music director. Uh, more often than not, I wasn't able to uh, recommend songs that I really thought were up and coming. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of wait until they were further along in their charting and whatnot. Uh, I was told, I, I won't even say who said this, but it's a famous consultant, wouldn't allow me to add Elvis Costello. You know why? He said he's too vertical. I go, what is that? 
Okay. It's like too, uh, too, too narrow a focus, uh, too narrow an yes. audience. Because oh, it's please. too vertical. Right? Please. Too vertical an artist. Well, and now, you know, Elvis Costello, whatever is, is 40 years later, I think we all know who was right. That's right. Same thing and, with R.E.M. They wouldn't let me at, at REM either. Same thing ever. So that's when I said, we're done with this. You know, mm-hmm. we're just, I have to do something different. So I right. did. And I, I worked for the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I worked for the Grammys uh, after I worked for WXPN and I was the executive director of the Philly chapter. And that even gave me more skills to work with. Uh, so uh, there's a lot to do when you work for the Grammys. That's a great organization. It's a membership organization of musicians and music business professionals. The musicians vote in the Grammys, you know, vote on the Grammys. Uh, But the rest of the satellite offices provide resources for musicians, health insurance, uh, education, networking, uh, really good opportunities for up and coming musicians with their local chapters. Uh huh. You know, it's interesting because I I look at the we have a busy chat room on, on YouTube and labor creates capital writes corporate programming turned me over to talk radio in the 90s. Um, and that happened to a lot of people. I, look, it got me out of music radio and into talk. Uh, even I started in talk, then did music. Yeah, I was all over the place. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, and it, because the, it stopped, it stopped being a place for creative creativity, and it stopped being fun for the most part. Um, so everything changed. Thank you so much, Bill Clinton. But. You know, when it comes to talk radio, we can go back further and say thank you so much, Ronald Reagan, for killing the fairness doctrine, which is why you have right wing hate talk radio and, oh, a smattering of progressive talkers still left uh, around the country. So radio, the, the, the Internet hopefully will be the great equalizer. But, you know, I also worked at the earliest Internet radio stations going back oh, 20 years now. And um you know, we still have to find our own things. And and again, it goes back to the, the Telecommunications Act and the Digital Millennium Copyright Act for stupid regulations that is keeping things from happening. But we'll get there. We may not see it, but we'll get there eventually, I think. But that brings us to today. So, Aaron Riley, you've mm-hmm. been working in and around music your whole life, uh, adult life. And, and um, there comes a time when you say, oh, Having a, a career is nice, but but a relationship would be great too, and you want that as we get to be adults. Um, and mm-hmm. and so you met a guy, and and your first marriage had its problems, and then you got divorced, and you met another guy and got married, and the product of that is this book, and the book is called <laughs> A Dark Force: Twenty Years with a oh, Covert Narcissist. We've got both hold up our stereo books. books. Um, <laughs> And, you know, when I first saw the title, I'm thinking, well, holy shit, we've been living with a narcissist, but he's not covert. Trump is more overt, right? What's the difference? What's a covert narcissist as opposed to the overt narcissism that we're familiar with? Well, the overt narcissist, you can see them coming. They're loud. They're bombastic. They're braggarts. They're, you know. Oh, they think that they are the savior of all. They're the only ones who can do it. The one and only special chosen. You know, I think those words are all you know very familiar to us mm-hmm. over the last uh, six, seven, eight years. We've heard those, the chosen one. A covert narcissist may have the same style of thinking uh, as an overt narcissist, but they don't have the that sort of presentation, that sort of uh, uh, outgoing and uh, grandiose and... Uh, Uh, But they think the same way, but they go about getting their needs met in a very covert way. 
So basically, narcissists have a very deep self-loathing that happens way, way deep in their core. Uh, nobody knows exactly where narcissism comes from or where it begins. There are people who believe that it may uh, be in utero, that there could be some uh, some birth defect that uh, that prevents the amygdala in your brain from growing to the proper size, which uh, creates a lack of empathy because that's where the empathy center is housed in your brain. Uh, there's also other schools of thought where people think that narcissism maybe starts in very young childhood. So you might have uh, uh, somebody who's your caregiver. Obviously, if you're a baby, somebody's got to be taking care of you. You know, you're not taking care of yourself. Right. So you need some. Somebody to feed you, diaper you, you know, uh, if you're hot, you need, you know, cold, you need a hug, something like that. So as a little baby, you come out and you're like a little, just a blob, a little empty blob, you know, like a little blobby hard drive. <laughs> and you start downloading all the information that's coming around you. And one of the most important things is how do I get my needs met? Right. Mm -hmm. I need food. Right. Right. I'm a, I'm a baby. I need food. So you start to maybe cry. And if somebody comes to give you some food and address your needs, you may develop a, what's called a secure attachment that you, your expectations are that if you cry and call for help, that help will come right mm -hmm. now. Many mm -hmm. people don't have that. As we all know, there are dysfunctional family systems where uh, mom or dad are drinking or absent or single families or abusive or other types of issues in the home. And, um, uh, depression is certainly something that can affect parenting. Uh, and then the child grows up to have a less secure type of an attachment response to other people. Uh, and uh, and it's really, it, it can go one way or the other. So you can take that, you know, abandonment complex and this attachment, uh, insecure attachment feel, and you can either, you know, be kind of a clingy, codependent person, kind of like myself, that's like, oh, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I, you know, always thinking outwardly, mm -hmm. you know, looking, looking for your value, your own personal value in other people and other things externally. So, uh, you know, so Aaron, I it's so easy. It's so interesting that you brought up how early childhood affects us. You know, uh, we haven't known each other that long, but you know, I adopted my daughter from Kazakhstan. She was in an orphanage mm -hmm. for her first 18 months. And I read a lot about international adoptions and a lot of kids come out of those orphanages really fucked up. Um, I was lucky. The orphanage that Allison was in didn't have a lot, but one thing they did was they really cared for the kids. Uh, and, you know, I'd heard the phrase, they do the best they can with what they have and didn't really understand it until I was there. But they had one caregiver who was a, who was the, uh, the second mom or, uh, or the first mom or something that I forget that's a translation who was their primary caregiver, who they formed an attachment with. And thank God, because I know of other kids there's something called reactive attachment disorder that happens with many mm. kids who were just left in a crib in an orphanage. So a lot of these things that affect us later on as adults do start from when we're very, very young before we even remember, we have no memories of what got us that way. Um, do you know what, uh, and, and y y I think you changed the names in your book too. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, but you call your, your husband, the second one, Fabio. Do you know if if his problems came from his early childhood? 
Well, um, I can only make that assumption. Obviously, nobody knows. You know, right, you can't right. do that. It's one of the reasons why a lot of psychologists have a difficulty uh, diagnosing someone with narcissism or covert narcissism because there's no blood test for it. There's no definitive brain scan for it. Mm -hmm. So all you can do is make a diagnosis based on a set of behaviors. And the behaviors that they're looking for are arrogance, you know, lack of empathy, um, uh, certainly behaviors that uh, that narcissists exhibit like triangulation with others and blame shifting and stonewalling and the silent treatment, gaslighting and gaslighting, gaslighting. We've all oh, learned yes. a lot the about word, the word of the year last year. That was the Webster Dictionary word of the year of 2022. Uh, is gaslighting. Yep. Uh, and and especially gaslighting is extremely dangerous to a partner. So a narcissist basically has, I mean, I can imagine. So you were asking about Fabio. I don't know. I wasn't there when he was a baby, but I've met his mother. I've met his other family members. She did not have warm and loving parents herself. She had a mother that was institutionalized when she was young. And so she was sent to live with family. And so she had to kind of uh, reboot, you know, she made formed an attachment to her mother when she was young, but then that attachment was broken. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my, my impression of her, is, and I know a lot of people find her to be very warm. I found her to be a little, uh, a little cool, like a little steely, a little bit. And I don't know how she was with her first baby. Who knows? You know, it's a long, long time ago. Right. Um, but, but that said, in many cases, if the, the attachment to the early caregiver is, inconsistent or is cold and not warm or they do not meet the child's needs the child grows up fearful and not not understanding how to get their needs met so they have to do it in a more coercive kind of a covert way you know and they sort of go well they still need a hug too but they maybe don't feel comfortable asking for it so you know they're going to do something else so uh narcissism like i said it's a, a combination of of uh, factors that come into play another thing is also inflated sense of ego coming in when you're a young child as well too so that's a big concern in this day and age with this concept of everybody gets a trophy and my child is special. Right. Yeah. Because one day the real world is going to show up and tell you that, you know, you're the same as everybody else and you have to work just as hard as everybody else to get somewhere. Right. Uh, maybe not. So, Maybe not for everyone, but for most people. So, Aaron, you, you get very personal in this book. You tell your story. And your first husband, Stephen, right? Was that his name Stephen? Stephen, that is um, correct. And he, was, he wasn't the covert narcissist, but he also, he was not the best husband, for, and especially not for you. But it, well, he... Yes, he was an alcoholic. And so, you know, we, we can't just talk about the childhood of the narcissist, right? It takes two to tango, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And so my, my exploration in this book was a, a journey to figure out how did I get involved? Me, somebody who has been independent, lived alone, successful, moved out to California by myself and I'm 19 years old. I'm fearless. I'm strong. I have family and resources and friends. How did I get snatched up by this? narcissist and how did i choose so poorly in my relationships over and over and over again my first husband steven at the time i married him hid his alcoholism for, from me right wow. so you know if you read the book you'll see just a pattern of behavior that is my pattern of behavior because you, know? you want to fix my, everybody and you and you want to be accepted and you think you can you can basically make them better 
right? I, well, I get, yes, I guess I thought I was Mother Teresa or something, but I think really what I was doing, I mean, that was maybe my conscious thought, uh, but subconsciously, which is what really drives your behavior all the time anyway, just about all of us, uh, I'm trying to fix my my alcoholic father and my unavailable, emotionally unavailable father. And turned out, I learned through writing the book, my mother was fairly narcissistic. You know, I knew she was always very cold, but I don't think I really put together uh, the behavior patterns. So when I would try to get my mom's attention, she would just sort of like look the other way. So she might not address dress me or stole, she might stonewall me. And that's what set me up to tolerate that kind of treatment from an adult male. Right. Now uh, you do, you do go into a bit of your childhood. I mean, you were raised in New York city. You were kind of the latchkey kid before there was a latchkey before we, there was such a thing where they let you, you were roaming the streets in New York at like six and seven years old, just doing your own thing. Right. They, they just basically let you run free yeah. now it was yes. i hate to say it it was safer then than it is now but still a six or a seven year old on the streets of new york and you were you were just being independent because that's the that's yeah. how you were raised well and they also there were many factors that that uh created that sort of a life for me this latchkey kid that i'm running around new york city going to dance class on the bus or the subway by myself, six, seven years old, crossing the street, walking to school. I got mugged a couple times when I was uh, either on the way to school or even at school. And I mean, mugged for my like lunch money. You know, I might have a dollar 15 in my pocket and somebody come out with like a little pocket knife and I'd be like, okay, I guess I'm not eating today. You know, but that was the norm. You know, anybody grows up in a city and I had to walk through some projects and some rough areas and whatnot. You know, New York wasn't even as it was safe for people to walk around, but there were certainly neighborhoods that maybe were not so much. Sure. Um, But but being raised like that, one, there was a necessity. Both my parents had to work because my father was alcoholic. He lost job after job. And so my mother was fashion model, uh, but she's kind of the breadwinner in the family. You know, she was a hardworking woman. Uh, and so that out of necessity, I didn't have somebody to walk me to school, to take me to the bus. You know, my mother would come and pick me up at dance class because it was dark. So after after work, after her show, she might come and pick me up at seven o'clock at night. Uh, but during the day after school at three or four, I could take you know the bus anywhere I wanted to go in the city. And what that really did is that uh, that created sort of like a survival brain mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I have like a reptilian sort of survival brain where I can see behind me, just like most mothers can. And, uh, and I, I'm always uh, sort of hypervigilant to danger threats. So what I what happened as a result of that is my brain is very strong and my emotions I push way down to keep myself safe, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because if I if I felt that fear, I might run. You know, it's like not okay to really be fearful because then you could be victimized. So I had to feel strong. So I learned how to kind of disconnect myself, and I think that's what set me up to be uh, in abusive relationships. It's quite the little weird dichotomy with me and my extremely successful career and my extremely unsuccessful <laughs> relationships. Right. You know? Right. So so like, you marry you, you divorced Steve and you knew that was a bad situation. You got yourself out of it, but then you found mm-hmm. another guy who was even worse. Um, you know, he, here's what I didn't understand in reading the book. And it's a great book. It's, it's an easy read. And you, I, I mean, you know, it's not short. It's it's coming on 300 pages. And I think I read it in two days because it's like, holy shit, what this woman went through. The, but, you know, it, it's almost like you, you're like, here I am. 
I'm I'm ready to be loved, and it, you were just open to being taken advantage of. Uh, yeah, that's true. Because until until a person, and I mean everybody out there, everybody, until you do the self work, until you learn to really genuinely love yourself, you know, maybe I did intellectually. I was proud of myself because I had survived a lot and I had accomplished a lot. But you know, to allow yourself to be treated disrespectfully is to actually like it's almost like self-harm you're allowing harm to to come toward your being and you learn you need to learn how to self-protect yeah you know what i didn't realize is i never realized because i didn't have parents you know uh i didn't realize that there are predatory people out there that think transactionally and they think in the same conversation that you and i might be having they're thinking okay how can i get the upper hand here you know, and they might be smiling and nodding and like, hmm, like sound like they're listening, but they're really collecting information so that they can use it against you in the future. And you know what? They think we're doing that, too. And so you say that that's everyone is that that's what Fabio did, that he he sought you out. You were successful. You owned a home. You had no debt. You and he was the opposite. And he, he put on a good act, I guess the same way Stephen hid from you his alcoholism. Fabio hid mm-hmm. from you his sociopathy? I, I don't know. You, you didn't know what was going on, and it, it, you didn't even realize no. it till much later. No. It's really hard to, uh, to figure out what's going on when you're in a relationship with a covert narcissist. And, and that's true of anyone who has ever been in a relationship like this, uh, because they use intermittent reinforcement where they will be very kind and thoughtful and and sweet to you one day and then the next day you know some incident might happen or you might see them get really angry hot under the collar and dissociate or you know call you something or whatever and it's just very up and down and it's just like any cycle of abuse you know i'm sure everyone has heard the cycle of abuse where you know uh, maybe a physically abusing partner might hit their partner right. and then be remorseful, give you flowers, tell it, I'll never do it again. And so you want to believe that, you know, oh, they won't do it again. They love me. And, you know, you don't want to have to blow up your whole life. You may have children with a person. And, uh, well, of course they do it again. And, but it's not them. You know, that's the thing. It's you. You are allowing them to do it. You are staying, you are believing it. You're telling yourself things that aren't true, right? Because mm-hmm. you're trying to rationalize, right? Your right? You're going to, yes. yes. Those darn brains, I'm telling you, they are some strong things. They're just a miracle up there. Uh, but yeah, they can get you in big trouble. So what I am learning to do, or I have learned to do, and I'm uh, out here trying to tell people, I really want to create awareness for people, especially young people, because wouldn't it be great to have the kind of information that you need to have before you meet a narcissist yes. so you can recognize this coming, right? <laughs> yes. What I tell people, trust your gut. Trust your gut. Everyone has an internal compass. Everyone has a radar system inside of them. And believe me, it's easy to get that stuff, you know, you're the, just pushed down so far that you don't recognize your feelings or you will, like you say, rationalize or use the cognitive dissonance in your brain to allow you to move forward and keep you safe. 
you think. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, obviously the most important person to listen to is you. Right. So I tell people, slow down, slow down. How does this, how does this feel for me? Right. Uh, so, so Erin Riley is our guest. Her book is A Dark Force, 20 Years with a Covert Narcissist. And while we're talking, I always keep an eye on the chat room. And usually this chat room, it's it, everybody's friends and there are great people and they're usually all over the place. Today, they're on topic and it's one comment after another. I, that's, that's exactly what my husband was, or I, I live that. And, and, um, uh, here, my husband is also a covert narcissist. I think he's like that because he was the baby in this family. And there's a lot of years between the middle brother and him. He was always fussed over and spoiled. Um, Sandy just left her husband finally. And she said that describes him perfectly. Spocko asked, how narcissists respond when they're confronted? How should people safely challenge them? Well, there it's you don't want to go head to head with a narcissist because they will just it's to the death, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a really killer killer be killed situation. So there's actually a skill that you can learn, and it's uh it's very uh well, you can learn a lot of these things on YouTube, but it's called gray rocking. A narcissist is trying to get a rise out of you. Because if they can make you spin around like a top and get angry and hot under the collar and yelling, they're like, ah, ah, they're in control. You're the crazy one. They they make you think you're the one who's got the problems, right? Yes. Yes. They manipulate you. You know, they're manipulating you and they're pushing all your buttons and then they stand back and watch you spin around like a top and they feel so all powerful because really they have this deep internal misery inside of them and they produce project that out on others. I mean, I can't imagine what it must feel like or be like to actually live as a narcissist. Um, but can I go through, Nicole, do you mind if I run through my little list of warning signals? Please. Yes, people? definitely do. Okay. Yeah. I have a little list of warning signals, so I'm going to be reading from it. But here are some of my, my warning signs that I want to just make sure that we communicate to people so that everybody can be aware and, uh, you know, let them have their life, but stay out of ours, please. All right. So first of all, if you meet somebody dating site or otherwise, and they rush intimacy and commitment, maybe moving in together, call you their soulmate, match up with everything you're saying, like, oh my God, Nicole, I have that same microphone. <gasps> I even have those headphones. Oh my God. What color lipstick is that? Is right. that, I, you know, they're just like, it's amazing. It's like, your favorite movie i love sushi too right so be wary of that uh oh and he did have the movie with you you had what was the movie oh uh, Prin- princess princess bride. bride right yes Bowage. Yep. yeah sorry but yeah yeah no he actually he actually would use quotes from the princess bride to communicate like intimacy with me because he didn't have the real words or the real feelings so he would say as you wish or he would say princess buttercup uh, th- Yeah, this is true love. Do you think this happens every day? You know, because the real words would be, I hate your guts and you're not doing enough for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're going to keep a lid on that. All right. Listening without sharing. If they're listening, collecting information without divulging personal information, watch out. If they give you avoidant responses, you know, hey, let me ask you, how many siblings do you have? Like, oh, we'll talk about that later, Uh you know. Watch out for that or, oh, you know, whatever. Uh, Any lack of empathy for other people. If they feel entitled, arrogant, or smug in any way. My husband used to have this famous quote of his where he would say, it's tough being in the top 2% surrounded by the lower 98. Oh my. He said it all the time. 
and yeah. talking about intelligence or what? Yes, he thought he was yes. smarter than everybody else. Okay, smartest that's guy in correct. the room. And, you know, I thought it was a joke because that's my brain coming at me again, my cognitive dissonance skills. Uh, and I would say to myself, that's just like a, a statement on the current political climate. All right. This discourse that we have going on that you are all too familiar mm -hmm. with. All right. So I wanted to say, well, he's nice exaggerating the percentage. Well, he may have been a little bit, but really, in, in truth, uh, he had time for about 2% of the population. The other 90%, 98% were not worth his time. And he would illustrate that over and over again. You know, even little things like he wouldn't bag groceries at the store. Let the line, you can wait for me. So these are very subtle things that if you're in a relationship with somebody, you might feel like that doesn't feel right. But then you're going to go, well, it's not that big a deal. You right. Know, and then he me. does something sweet and kind and overly sensitive, but not really. Or, you know, that is saying the right yeah. things because he knows to say the right things at the right time. It's all part yeah. of the gaslighting, right? That's absolutely correct. Uh, if they're secretive, if they turn things back on you, that blame shifting thing, boy, mm -hmm. that's they can lightning fast. That stuff will come at you. Uh, passive aggressive remarks. Uh, projection. If you're ever being accused of something you're not doing, they are doing it. That's all I have to say. If they ever <laughs> say, you're cheating on me, right. you're stealing money, you're doing this, they're doing it. They're so doing it's, it. it's the Republican Party of today. They are the covert narcissists. <laughs> the Democrats, they're eating babies. Okay, they're actually <laughs> eating babies. Oh my God. That's right. Help That's me. That's right. Yep. That's right. Filled with them. Uh, bad mouthing your friends or family. Ooh. You know, you'll hear these like little subtle things like my husband said this thing about my one girlfriend and they're always just true enough. So you believe it. He goes, you know, she's a real name dropper. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, she is a real name dropper. And then I thought, I'm probably a name dropper, too. You know, <laughs> like I worked in the, in yes, the entertainment know business, too. <laughs> right. So, you know, I realized, but it, it helped it. It made me form a slightly negative opinion of my friend, right? Uh -huh. This is very subtle. And it's not like I didn't know that about my friend, right? But I didn't think of it as a negative uh, until it was brought up to me that way. Right. Uh, hypersensitive to criticism another, is another one and any kind of controlling. If they tell you, like, you need to be home at a certain time or this or whatever. Mm -mm. Uh, so that's my list. There's more, of course, but, you know, you just have to learn how to check in with you. Right. And That's and the thing you is, you, you tell, it's like, you know, you're, you get a handle on him and then he does something thoughtful. It's like, oh, it's not that bad. And you make excuses okay. because you think you can fix them. And it's like, well, it's not, I'm not really seeing the things I'm seeing. And that's where like the gaslighting comes in because they present themselves in a different light than what they really are and make you think you're the crazy one. That's, that's right. And my first husband was alcoholic. So I could see that like he's drunk. I can see it. That's a problem. But the gaslighting is also confusing. And by the time they're done with you, which is really their mission, they've weakened you so much you can't even really think straight. You know, they have this thing called brain fog. And it's true. I couldn't sleep at night. I think I slept about two hours. And I'd wake up bolt upright. I think I had so much cortisol, like, coursing through my veins and my blood that it was just... I was wired all the time right. and I didn't even understand why I would put, uh, I would put the blame on my job. I think, Oh, you know, the, I had a rock and roll kids music school dealing with a lot of parents and a lot of reschedules and a lot of, you know, entitled families, <laughs> Oops. but really a good drink. It was a great time, but, uh, certainly was a stress, right. Time. And you were the one so. with the business. He was 
you know, sort of just not, right? You you were the one well, making money, or was he? I, listen, I don't want to say I don't want to say he certainly didn't contribute anything because he did. He really did. So I will give him that. One of the things that my husband did to make himself very valuable, he was very helpful and very skilled. So he was an IT manager. He could do all kinds of work for us on the computer and web design and social mm-hmm. media marketing and, uh, you know, sound engineering. Then the that has to make it and- even more difficult because he is contributing. And so you can't say, and in fact, you didn't kick him out. You, you, you're not the one who ended the relationship, are you? I'm not. <laughs> could you hear him? I heard him. Yeah. He's like, no, it wasn't. She didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was Murphy, everybody. That's my dog. Murphy. He must have heard somebody outside. There he goes. <laughs> Crazy little dude. Uh, yeah, I was discarded. I am so stubborn. I'm going to I'm gonna make it work. I'm going to make it work. I am going to make it work. He would, uh, here's the story. You know, this is, we haven't really addressed this yet, but the last eight years we were together and we were together for 20 years, we built a house in Panama on an island overlooking the Caribbean to retire to. I had wanted to retire in New York City because that's where I was born and raised. And I thought there'd be a million things to do. And I was really excited about that idea. Um, But it was too expensive. You know, honestly, it just really was out of our reach. So he had suggested that we go uh, look at this Caribbean island. And I was like, that sounds like kind of a cool retirement. Wouldn't it be a great opportunity to live a different kind of a life? You know, like Mm -hmm. you have your life in the, you know, your big city life. And then you could have this totally natural life where you're like, taking coconuts off trees and stuff like that might be really fun. Uh, So we built this house over a period of eight years. And what I didn't realize is that he was setting things up over that entire time behind my back, right under my nose, just take it all away. So he had set up the, the legal paperwork in Panama to give himself a majority interest of the house from day one. And I didn't know that because I didn't know not to trust him. He spoke Spanish. He was uh, very familiar with legal stuff and he could write these agreements and whatnot. Uh, he also, you know, just anyway, it was just a bad scene. So, uh, so I was, I was just still telling myself I could somehow make it work. Uh, but at the very end of our relationship, before I was to go to Panama with him, I really was getting scared. His behavior had really, uh, escalated. And this is something nobody else in the, in the world can see. This only happens behind closed doors. So for all of your people there on the YouTube chat there, Mm -hmm. you know, let me tell you, I see you. I see you and I know what you've been through. Um, your neighbors will gaslight you, your friends, your family members. Oh, come on. He's a great guy. He takes you here. He does this for you. He has a great job, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't see what's going on behind closed doors. And that further adds to the gaslighting. Right, right. right. Where you think he, he can't be that bad, you know? So, and and you're kind of a, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're the problem. So anyway, uh, it's a really, it's a really uh, debilitating kind of a relationship, and uh, like I said, I'm out here to spread awareness and uh, and education, educate people. Uh, because if you'd never get in one, isn't that a lot better? Yes, yes. <laughs> Learn the warning signs, and they're in the book. It's a dark force. Twenty years with a covert narcissist, Aaron Riley. It's really a great read, and I, I my heart goes out to you. I look, believe me, I we've all had these toxic relationships. And and mm. one of these days we'll talk. I, I, you know, I was I was kind of a wild child. I had one of them when I was sixteen, and the guy was twenty four, and it was horrible. I mean, and I lied to my parents. They sent me away to school to get away from him. Of course, he followed me up there. So you get you get sucked into it and all that. Um, but I I you know, Aaron, I I hope people read the book. 
and I, I and I have to ask you. I finally I finished it last night. I had like ten pages left, and I figured I said I'm going to wait until you know the night before. And sure enough, I sat up last night and you did ayahuasca. <laughs> and I have to ask you about the ayahuasca. You did it three times. Yeah, in a weekend. Uh, actually, I would love, I'm so glad you brought up the end of the book because this is something I want to talk about for just a minute is that many people have read the book and loved it. I've been very fortunate to have some amazing reviews and uh, and wonderful uh, people I've spoken with all over the world, you know, that I've sold books to and stuff. So that community is really tight knit and we're all helping each other. Uh, and what everybody seems to like a lot is that my ending of my book is very, very positive mm-hmm. and very happy happy it's a really happy redemptive ending you know i basically you know the journey to self was completed and uh and i didn't run off into the sunset with some other rich guy or something Mm -hmm. like that i didn't need another person to make myself genuinely happy again one day i just started singing you know and i could dance and i just felt like me again not only could i read a book but i could write a book so uh, all the work I did towards self-love is what created this book. And I hope anybody reading it will also come along with me and realize that there is a hopeful and happy end. Uh, so the ayahuasca. Okay, so <laughs> I figured this could be the very cap on everything. I did a couple of pretty extreme things with my health because my health suffered a lot during this period. One is I did a 21-day fast. Saw that. I know. Wow. Yep. So I did that, and uh, and that was actually very helpful. I didn't want to, you know, contract some kind of a disease from all the stress I was carrying in me, and I think that was helpful for my health. And then I decided to do an ayahuasca ceremony. Uh, I did not have the kind of, like, uh, sort of surreal uh, visions and ghosts and visitors and whatnot coming to me. Uh, it was a beautiful ceremony with beautiful Peruvian music, and uh, I think what I really got was once again pretty subtle because I got that disconnect going on. Uh, what I got was really subtle, but it happened at the very end. And this is exactly what happened. And I think it really set me on my most positive, like rocket ship course, you know, out of this nightmare. I'm laying on the bed. I'm on the medicine. The third one, it's probably two o'clock in the morning. And I suddenly laid back and I just started to go like this. I don't know why. I just sort of like giving myself caressing a hug. your arms, right? Right. Yeah. Hugging yourself. I don't know. Just came came to me and I said, You're still here. Like they tried to take you down. All of the they's in your lifetime that tried to squelch your spirit. I'm gonna cry when I say mm. it. You know, uh they didn't get you. I still have the little fire. I can still come back. Like I said, it's easy to get your fire dampened, you know, by your parents or by a boss or by a relationship. But really, it's still there. I believe it. It's still there. You know, it's still time and you can still can heal. Uh, so put yourself first, people. Trust your gut. You know, listen to your intuition. Uh, and take good care of yourself. Always put yourself first and take good care of yourself. That's great advice. Erin um, Riley, thank you for sharing your story. It's so important. And, and it's amazing, again, as I'm just watching the chat room, how many people say, that's my story, or that's describing this person that I know, my mother, my sister, my friend, this, that's exactly yeah. it. And we don't know the name for it. We knew Donald Trump's a narcissist. But I didn't know about the covert narcissist. I knew there were fucked up people. One last question. What's is there a difference between a covert narcissist and a sociopath or can they be both? 
or can they be either? Or they can definitely be both. In fact, they most often are both. Uh, narcissism exists on a spectrum, just like autism. Mm-hmm. So you can be, you know, uh, 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 high functioning autistic, just like you can be a high functioning narcissistic person. Narcissism. All of us have a degree of narcissism. Sure. I do. You do. Of course. You wouldn't be on the radio if that's you didn't right. have enough of confidence to right. get out there and talk to people. You know, that's a necessary thing, you know, so that you do have a connection to yourself. Narcissism is a healthy, uh, a healthy thing to have, but it can go to the disordered level where you are really can be very harmful to other people in the wake of a narcissist. Uh, sociopathic thinking and narcissistic thinking is very disordered. You know, they are thinking, what can I get out of this situation and how am I going to get there? How am mm-hmm. I going to get it? You know, and we are more thinking more uh, empathetically. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, protect yourselves cool. out there, people. All right, check out the book. I'll put links on the, in the blog where I post the the, the show you. today. And Aaron, thank you so much. This was great. Um, we'll we'll talk again when we we'll, we'll talk music and other shit. That's right. We'll talk yes. music and other shit <laughs> anytime, anytime. No, All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks Take for care. Having me on. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for coming. This was great. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. And right. and with that, bye. we're we're done. Bye. Uh, I will leave you with the news tomorrow. Joan Walsh is here. You know, if Joan Walsh is here, we will wind up talking some politics. But um, we have an ulterior motive. We're both big Bruce Springsteen fans. She's already seen two of the shows on this tour. I've only seen one so far, so she's got one up on me. But here, I'll tell you a funny story. But I'll tell you tomorrow. Uh, leave them leave them wanting more right okay narcissism all right uh, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow everybody thank you for listening and uh have a great night and trust your inner voice bye it's time for nicole sandler's what's news from nicolesandler.com and the progressive voices network women's reproductive rights top the news again as overnight, the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans, by a 2-1 to vote, ruled that the FDA's initial approval of Mifeprestone in 2000 could remain in effect. Well, most of it, anyway. This, just days after a federal judge, Matthew Kazmarek, in Texas, ordered its approval to be suspended. Well, under the court's new order... The approval will stay in effect and the drug will remain on the market with a number of restrictions back in place that had been rolled back a few years ago. So there will still be some access while an expedited appeal plays out. It's unclear if the Justice Department or the drug's manufacturer will ask the Supreme Court to intervene. Again, all this is happening as the legal battle over medical abortion continues to intensify after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. Meanwhile, here in Florida, the Republicans who control the state house will likely pass a six-week abortion ban today. The bill already passed the Senate, and the governor said he will sign it. Now, I've been warning anyone who listened to stay away from Florida, and I'm not alone. The group Equality Florida on Tuesday issued a travel advisory warning of the risks posed to the health, safety, and freedom of those considering short or long-term travel or relocation to the state. The move 
comes in response to a wave of safety inquiries that Equality Florida has received following the passage of laws that are hostile to the LGBTQ community, restrict access to reproductive health care, repeal gun safety laws, foment racial prejudice, and attack public education by banning books and censoring curriculum. By the way, that's a direct quote from Equality Florida's travel advisory. Sadly, Florida is not the only backward state. Let's go to Tennessee, where the second of two House Democrats who were expelled from the legislature by the Republican supermajority last week after they participated with constituents in a protest against gun violence in the House well has been reinstated. Yep, the Shelby County Board of Commissioners on Wednesday voted 7-0 to reinstate State Representative Justin Pearson, who said it was time to get back to work. At 89 years old, Dianne Feinstein is the oldest member of the U.S. Senate. She's been plagued with health problems recently and even worse, appears to be showing the mental decline that often comes with advanced age. Many Democrats, both in and out of government, have been saying she needs to retire for a while now. Well, on Wednesday, Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna of California tweeted, It's time for Senator Feinstein to resign. We need to put the country ahead of personal loyalty. Her response? Well, she reportedly asked Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to temporarily replace her on the Judiciary Committee. They've been unable to move any of the president's judicial nominees out of committee since February due to her lengthy absence. Feinstein was reportedly hospitalized with shingles last month, but she said that she plans to return to serve out her term. Quote, I intend to return as soon as possible once my medical team advises that it's safe for me to travel. In the meantime, I remain committed to the job and will continue to work from home in San Francisco. Well, we're finding out more about the source of the leak of hundreds of classified Pentagon documents. Washington Post reporting that a still unidentified man in his mid-20s, who's known to a close-knit group of 20 or so people in an invitation-only server on the social media platform Discord, worked on a military base. An unidentified source speaking to the Post said that the man posting the documents identifies himself as OG and someone who loved guns, God, and sharing government secrets with the group, which was, by the way, called Thug Shaker Central. The Post source, reportedly a minor, said he had known OG for about four years, considered him a close friend, and would not reveal the leaker's real name or where he lives until OG is captured or flees the U.S. Lovely. And finally, jury selection is slated to begin this week in the Dominion Voting System's $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against the Fox Not News Company. Delaware Superior Court Judge Eric Davis on Wednesday sanctioned Fox for holding back documents in the discovery process. The judge saying he would appoint a special master to investigate. Quote, I'm very concerned that there have been misrepresentations to the court. The sanctions will let Dominion take more depositions of some Fox witnesses with Fox paying the bill. This is the latest setback for Fox as they defend themselves against allegations that had damaged Dominion's reputation by promoting false allegations that the company's voting software was used to rig the 2020 presidential election. No word on whether this will delay the start of the trial or not, but I suspect we'll hear something shortly. I got the news. 
And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that donate button.